Hello, and welcome to the First Issue Club podcast, where your weekly reading club, where just like Sue Storm, we love a good read. And boy, are we ever reading. I've got stacks and stacks of comic books burning a hole in my brain. Floor to ceiling. I need to get them to my eyeballs and let my body take them in, feel those feelings, the pain, the joy, all the amazing things that come with a great story. They're in comic books. You got to know that. I need you to know that. If you like movies, sure. Who doesn't? You like a good book novel, the great American novel? Yeah. There's some great novels out there. Comic books are just another medium, baby. And you've got just as good stories being told in them. And are for you, if you are ignoring them, we're going to we're going to help you find a couple today to uh dip your toe in and uh welcome you to the wide world of comics and the amazing stories told within Mike D, you are truly the Nicole Kidman of comic books. Oh yeah. Tragedy feels good in a podcast like this. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Yes. All right. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to talk about some new first issues that came out this week, along with a couple annuals and some good jumping on points. Yes. But like we always do, we're going to cover the comic book news and talk about kind of what's going on in the industry first. News. 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 And I'm sure you've got hot takes. I've got them, too. One of the most buzzworthy topics in the industry right now is what is going on over at Cadence Comic Art. Ooh, buddy. Now, let me first just try to give you a quick explanation of what Cadence Comic Art is. Sure. Good starting point. A lot of comic book artists are repped by companies, and these companies are like managers for their art. So what they will do for you is sell art that you've made that's been published in other comic books. They will get you in touch with people who want to commission you to create a comic book or maybe a singular piece of art for them. And they will do accommodations for people who are trying to get into comic book conventions yeah make sure they've got tables and things set up so you can meet them as a fan they can promote themselves and they can make more money by drawing things for you at a table at a con um and then the world goes around in the comic book industry uh so they're they're kind of important groups and there's a handful of different ones some less prominent than others cadence was one of the biggest cadence is a in my opinion anyway or my radar Top three. For sure. Top three. With some amazing talent. And I think specifically the had had the greatest talent of female creators as well. Sure. Let me rattle off some names for you. Yeah. This is for the OG comic fans. Tula Lote. Sure. Jenny Frizen. Yeah. Jill Thompson. Yeah. Zoe Thurgood. Uh-huh. Danny. Luana Vecchio. Elena Casagrande, Joel Jones, Becky Cloonan, Emma Rios. Yeah. I mean, how heavy hitters. The Walk of Femme. I'm I'm shocked you can pick up your phone because of how heavy those hitters are. <laughs> uh, we've also got Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood, Mahmoud Azrar. I mean, like huge, huge names in in comic books repped by these people. Yeah. And what started happening was one by one. About, oh, it's probably going to be five days ago at the time of the release of this podcast. Uh, all of their creators started messaging on social media. Um, I'm no longer repped by Cadence Comic Art. Uh, I'll be handling business by myself for the time being, and I will keep you posted as things change. Like, it was a very almost cookie cutter response yeah. as if. They'd consulted with each other and decided this was a good thing to um, say for the time being. Other than that, there's not a lot of actual news or reports about this. Some have said, you're going to see a story come out soon 
but I don't know when. Yeah. Uh, I think Caitlin Yarsky specifically might have said that. Okay. Who we know and love from Coyotes, yeah. a, a club favorite. That was a really great book. And she's done cool stuff like Blessed. And I could go on and on. In any case. <laughs> yeah. Um, mass exodus of some of the top talent in the comic book industry that are at this time not repped by an art dealer. Yeah. A couple of interesting wrinkles that I noticed, just minutia stuff. Um, a lot of the posts specifically called out um, existing commissions will be fulfilled mm. by me. Yeah. Right? Not through Cadence. Yep. But I will be fulfilling existing commissions. And then... Um, if you have not received something... Yeah, let me know. That was another big thing. Yep. Um, but the CEO of Cadence uh-huh. also stepped down. Not the owner of Cadence. Okay. The CEO, the business boy. So we are maybe suspecting that that person was also upset or unsatisfied. Yeah. And maybe not the cause for concern. Yeah. that's okay. That was my read between the lines thing. Because yeah. he made public... Re- remarks saying I'm not at liberty to discuss. It's yeah. my t- you know that kind of like uh-huh. business. But I'm I think he's also said. But I'm working with the creators on helping facilitate yeah. what I can right and fulfill orders that are outstanding. Correct. I think I don't know anybody who has like an outstanding order with Cadence right now. Personally, anyway, um, we had a we had a buddy who bought a Jeff Lemire page. In like November, yeah, and got it pretty quickly, and had things handled. There is speculation that there's been an issue with um, unfulfilled orders, maybe specifically surrounding commissions. And these these people obviously are talking about some of the best talent in the in the comic book industry, and these commissions lists sell out very quickly. So you're talking, you know, six hundred, seven hundred dollar slots to get. Uh, work done by these artists and i think there's a suspicion that some of that money has gone missing yeah that was that was the big theory that i saw was that they were either cheating the commission's game by like double dipping somehow or taking money off the top yeah whatever Mm. that whole thing is or you know, screwing over some smaller creators. Yep. That kind of stuff. Um, and if the CEO is stepping down, that would make sense, right? Yeah. That, like, the bookkeeping isn't great. Yeah. Not necessarily. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll see. This is an ongo- on an unfolding story. <laughs> there, There is a small smattering of artists that are still there. And from what I can tell, a lot of them have that that are still on the website either haven't posted anything on the website in a long time yeah. and some maybe inactive or just posted things. So it's like Jim Toe uh-huh. or Toey. I don't know how you pronounce his name, but an artist I like did Un- Avengers Unlimited recently. Yeah. Really, really great artist. Um, just sent a bunch of X-Men pages and stuff before all this happened. So... I think in his case, it's like, well, shit, the guy has, like, everything I could have sold. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do I do now? Um, but, I, yeah, I think there are some business people there who are trying to get unsold things that the artists should technically still own back to the artists. And that's going to be an endeavor. Um, but wishing all those artists the best, I, I'll say the, you know... A silver lining on this, if you can find any, is it's cool to see solidarity in the comic book community that, you know, maybe they saw something wrong going on there. And so many of the artists like made a cohesive decision to get together, handle it respectfully, let people know on social media without like throwing people under the bus and starting a bunch of rumors. I mean, they've kept it tight. Obviously, you know, with the small trickle of information we've got, I think it I think it speaks to the classiness of yeah. of 
a lot of the creators. Yep. Um, and this is your friendly reminder to uh, skip all that business and as much as you're able buy directly from creators. Yeah, that's certainly the way to do it. And you know, is that a thing? Move is that going to be a thing moving forward? That you know, you just had like eighty of the top of like the world's top comic book artists like go independent for a time being. Are they going to find out like, okay, I've been through the ropes a handful of times. I can book my comic book convention appearances, and I can, you know put a Squarespace website together and fulfill orders on a quarterly basis and and not cut so much off the top or share as much of that income in an in an industry where I think like you know un- unfortunately some of these some of these people are underpaid or overworked or maybe both. don't get to yeah maybe both or don't get to save as much right yeah. you may be making a living but you're not packing it away into a 401k um, which is another reason another re- reminder in the comic book community to, to donate to yeah. those little bins you see at your con tables that a lot of um, artists do signatures for you CBDF. for the uh, hero initiative, the comic book, the yeah, hero, initiative, hero initiative, which takes care of health, healthcare bills mm-hmm. for people who've been in the industry and weren't able to save. Yep. And then like Andy mentioned uh, comic book legal defense fund. Yeah. Um, is yeah, another C- place that C B L D F. It's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, and they protect free speech in uh, illustrated form yep. all over the world. And, you know, may not seem like that big of a deal stateside, but we've got people who've been in prison for years or aren't getting proper representation in court in other countries where, you know, it's not as kosher to say whatever you want to say, even if it's art. Yep. So great, two great causes uh, to support when you see them. Um, you know, if um, if Distillery was smart, they would offshoot. Rep themselves? No, they would offshoot and rep all these artists. Oh, sure. A lot of these uh, Cadence artists are Distillery people. Yeah. That's, I mean. Becky Cloonan and Tula Lote are. Yeah. That seems like a really easy spinoff for them mm-hmm. to just like open up distillery, whatever commissions. Yeah. Uh, if you're new to the world, if this is a new concept to you and you didn't know you could own original comic book art, I've got some tips for you. I'm a little bit of a collector and you can see if you're watching the video version behind me, I've got some commissions from friends and published pages uh, not just these ones shown. I've got them around the corner and tucked everywhere in my house. And it's a great way to support artists you love and have something from a comic that like meant a lot to you too. So uh, join our Discord. Shoot us a message on social media. I'm happy to like walk anyone through that or, or help you out on like where to find, who to look for, where to inquire, yeah. all that stuff. It was kind of a scary thing for me to get into just because it's like a world of unknowns and you, and you don't know what you're, what you're doing. And it's not nickels and dimes. <laughs> no. Well and, well, and I'll say too, that um, I have a, uh, on this far side here. Nope. Wrong, wrong corner. Uh, <laughs> my camera's mirrored. Uh-huh. So it's hard to point. <laughs> this is a double page spread um, of a John, uh, John Romita Jr fantastic four anniversary issue sounds like something that should cost five grand right 150 dollars. yeah because yeah, you got it from the inker right i got it from the inker yeah smart move this is the actual skip but still the actual scanned page yeah that was used in the comic book um looks gorgeous uh original you know even even if his pencil may not have necessarily touched this page this is an original published scanned page from a John Romita Fantastic Four issue. Yeah. Um, there are ways to get your hands on amazing art for under $100. And an- another great way to do that is up-and-coming artists mm-hmm. that you find on Instagram that are, you know, maybe have only done an indie book or two, and they're willing to do amazing things for you for under 100 bucks. Yeah. 
there's there's a there's something for everybody for sure uh remarks on books where you get like a tiny sketch in the corner of a blank cover uh those blank cover comics that you might see in your comic book shop can get filled out for a fraction of the cost of what a full published page might go for there are ways to collect original art without without breaking the bank so um extend an offer i can be a shepherd <laughs> to, to you for that if if you're interested in it or want to know more join our uh, our discord that doesn't cost any money um just a fun community to like chat and yeah. share factoids with and things like that maybe My... maybe we'll start an original art channel if people are interested i love it that's a good idea yeah my one hot tip would be to bring books to cons that you know that other people aren't bringing to cons. Oh, okay. Right? So, like, I had, when we met Maria Wolf, yeah. right, I had her first, I didn't know this at the time, her first published comic cover Oh, cool. was that By the Horns variant. Oh, yeah. And... You know, so she sketched it and, like, whatever, gave me a little signature and talked to me about it. Or, like, I brought um, to Jimmy Palmiotti and Garth Ennis yeah. um, a Punisher book that P Jimmy um, colored, yeah. did not draw. So kind of obscure, like yeah. an early comic job for him. And he doodled, like, a little Punisher skull on it. Yeah. So, like, it's that kind of stuff where, like, yep. this is a book that's more sentimental and less yes. like big dollar signs book. I've certainly seen that too. Uh, like if you bring Patrick Gleason, the webhead cover, Amazing yeah. Spider-Man fifty-five. Yeah, he's only signed four hundred of those <laughs> like every day every, for the last yeah. four years. <laughs> exactly right. He's going through the motions on those yeah. at this point, uh, <laughs> and people try to resell those a lot. Yeah. So, but yeah. like the Batman and Robin book that he wrote or something, yeah, might be more, or like one of his indie books, yeah, might be a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, warmly received, if not, uh, more personalized, yeah, sure. I think there, there is a thing too where if you're willing to say, let an artist write like to Mike oh, on, yeah. on your comic, they're, uh, they're more willing to say, Hey, I'm gonna do it up for you. Yeah. On this cover because I know you're a fan. As soon as I write to Mike on it, you're not selling this comic. Yeah, right. You're not putting it on eBay instantly. Like this for is sure. for you and you're a mega fan, and we're having a special moment together. It's not. It's not fake. Yeah. And I think there's that. You know, there's a little. There's there is that at at conventions. I've been in. I remember once I was uh, getting something signed by Jason Latour. Uh huh. And he was seated next to Jason Aaron. Yeah. And at the time, they were working together on Southern Bastards, which was a very hot book. Uh-huh. Um, so they were signing a lot of stuff. Uh, Jason Aaron had just uh, had Star Wars number one published. Oh, Lord. Which at the time was the, I think, most selling comic ever. Well, we did that list, and it was like the number 10 of all time yeah like 110 like, variant yeah. covers it was yeah it was unbelievable um so in any case uh a guy had brought like 20 copies of it and did the thing where like you have like painter's tape around like a cut out part of a bag and board yeah. so there's like a certain part of the cover i want you to sign yeah. and then he set up a tripod and a camera and took a picture of each individual issue getting signed. And you're like, that guy, Jason Aaron is signing things for donations to comic book, uh, to the, the Heroes Initiative yeah. at that con in particular. I don't know if he always does it, but that one in particular he was. And I think they were optional. And so this guy is getting 20 comics signed. I don't know that he even donated, but this guy is just taking pictures being like, I'm going to go turn around and sell these for, you know, how much? 20 bucks a pop, 50 bucks a pop. I don't know what they were going for at the time. But, like, you got to feel gross and used as a creator. Yeah. And so I think there is, like, every once in a while, depending on the energy you come with or what you're having done, you know, creators know. And they can be, like Andy mentioned, uh, a little more fun with it yeah. if you bring something funner or something they know. Like, okay, this guy isn't going to sell 
this random issue and it's a quirky cover I yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had Jason Aaron sign the uh, London Calling Thor variant. Yeah. You know, they did those like punk rock homage. Uh-huh. And I had him sign that and he was like, this is like the best cover they ever did. And I was like, I know, they only did like five of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's those kinds of moments that like, yeah. I feel like, make their day and certainly make my day yeah we i had him sign a couple random weird books and he wrote yeah this is something a lot of writers do is they'll write like a quote from the book or something in on the comic because they're not artists but it's cool to have like something personalized or something extra on it just like when you get sports memorabilia signed and it's like Steph Curry's autograph is worth a decent amount of money. But if he writes Steph Curry, four-time champion, 10-time all-star under it. Shoot for the stars. That those autographs sell for a lot more money Um, and are just cooler to have, right? Same thing with comic book artists. He, he, one comic he wrote Roll Tide on. Oh, sure. Which is cool because he's an Alabama guy. And then another one he wrote, Mmm, ribs. (laughs) On an issue of <laughs> of Southern Bastards. That's awesome. And I thought that was so fucking cool. That's great. Yeah. Creators are people just like you. Yeah. Folks. And uh, treat them like that. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't treat them like machines to sign your shit and to make money off of. Man, I thought the Cadence thing was going to be a quick news hit. And then we ended up talking about it for like 15 minutes. That's what we do, baby. Yeah. That's what we do. We go off on our tangents. We've got some other news. What's your news? We've got plenty of other news. I did see El Muerto is happening without Bad Bunny. Wait, they're still making they're that movie? They're still making it. Yeah. I thought this was the perfect time to hit the eject button on that. Look, I am a comic book fan. <laughs> First I will, and foremost. I will... Ad- <laughs> Firstly, I will admit to being a comic book fan. <laughs> Secondly, I will also admit that I'm not a huge Spider Boy. Yeah, I am. I, I like Spider Man. Yeah. Spider Man is fine. Spider Man is good. Dan Slott writes the best Spider Man. But I have no fucking clue who El Muerto is. Very, very obscure character. And I have no clue who Bad Bunny is. <laughs> Oh, you don't know who Bad Bunny is? I know of Bad Bunny. Yeah, okay. I could not point them out of a crowd. I could not list why they are famous. He is a cornball, this guy. It was the casting announcement really threw me off because, I mean, he's in commercials and stuff for like Corona and things like that. I again and ev- could not point to the screen and say that's Bad Bunny. And he said he's one of these people who just says his name all the time, and he's always like Bad Bunny. Okay. They'll, people will ask him an interview question, and he'll just go Bad Bunny, and it's just like, okay, you didn't answer the question. It's a branding <laughs> thing. <though. laughs> yeah, and I'm like, if he can, I was so I was kind of so interested in seeing it because I'm like, can this guy? What is he like in acting? And how much of his, like, uh, musician persona is a persona? Like All of it. <laughs> like, I think it'd be so cool to go see an El Muerto Bad Bunny movie. And then it's like, he's such, like, an in-tune actor. And it'd be, I mean, to be cast in a movie that big, right? Like, can it be just fully stunt casting or like he's got to have some chops right i think he might have some chops i was kind of interested just of like curiosity to see how he would do in that movie and it's like el muerto is like a mexican wrestler like luchador Uh type and i like the idea of doing like a marvel movie with like a big personality luchador is like very interesting to me. Yeah, but you give that role to like Javier Bardem, or uh, do you? Yeah, you give it to an actor. <laughs> you don't give it to a guy who says his name in interviews. But they're <laughs> but they're recasting it now, 
and still making it when I think a lot of people just assumed it was dead in the water after Bad Bunny left. Uh, I think we're going to see. I think there's still a chance that it doesn't happen. I think, depending on the performance of Madam Web... Mm. We, and Craven. And Craven. Yeah. We might see them kind of rethink what's up with these Sony Marvel movies. And El Muerto is like the biggest stretch out of all of these that have been coming out. Yeah. And I think like people are already really down on um Miss uh sorry, Madam Webb. Yeah. Um which if you've seen the trailer the newest one. Uh-huh. It is absolutely loaded with exposition. Oh yeah. And it still barely makes sense. <laughs> it's well, like yeah. like people going to this movie have no idea what they're going to see. And I feel like that has always been a problem with these Sony Marvel movies. Yeah. Is that are they connected? Are they part of the other Marvel universe? For better or for worse. I mean, it might be better to not be associated with the larger MCU at this point, given how the last handful of movies have gone and the temperature on those. I think they need to pivot. Now we're turning into a bigger conversation on Marvel movies. But I think they need to pivot and start making if they're going to continue making superhero movies, they need to start making them for the younger generation now because I think millennials and Gen Xers are just over it. We're not going to the movie theater to see superhero movies anymore. Well, yes. I would make the argument that audiences have shown that they're far more interested in they're less interested in the connected universe and more interested in the stories that are being told. Mm-hmm. Barbie made a fucking billion dollars because it was a great movie. A movie about an astrophysicist that came out the same week as another billion yeah. dollar movie made a billion dollars. Exactly. Like how wild is it that Oppenheimer is a billion dollar Be- movie? Because it was a good movie made with passion and integrity yeah, right i think is a breath of fresh air for people i think we're seeing a sea change back to yeah those sort of movies instead of like the big connected universe ip sort of things and i think sony has like the spider-man rogues gallery is basically what sony owns yes there is enough there that if they just gave that to like somebody with a passion yeah for telling stories uh-huh. with these characters that you could be successful. I'm pulling this out of my ass right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the big canceled movies was uh, Silver and Black. Oh, yeah. The yeah, Silver yeah. Sable Black that Cat movie. That sounded cool. Right? Give it to uh, Steven Soderbergh, right? <laughs> Stick with me on this. Okay. G- give it to Steven Soderbergh and just make Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Black Cat is trying to rob the biggest blank in. New York, yeah, the the gala or whatever, yeah, and Silver Sable is hired to stop her. Make that movie, and I think they need to hire like really hip, cool young people, yeah. to play these characters instead of like you know casting Jared Leto as. Whoa, hold on! Don't talk about Morbius, the best movie ever made. <laughs> Or like, if there's one thing we need, it's more BS, <laughs> right? Or even like, I, and I think I think Dakota Johnson is great, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like Dakota Johnson was cast for Gen Xers and millennials, and yeah. I just don't think we're the audience for these movies anymore. They need to cast like like do silver and black but put renee rap in it yeah totally a hundred percent yeah i mean casting sydney sweeney was really casting sydney sweeney was really sweeney was a great move if that movie does well at all yeah it's sydney sweeney fans going to see it and she she gave a great interview that i saw the other day that was like how cool she thought the Julia Carpenter Spider-Woman was 
Um, and all those panels of her, like, having conversations with people while she was just hanging upside down. And she was like, I want to do that. And they put a scene in the movie and she was like, no, she needs to like be upside down for this entire, like she felt like really passionate about like hanging upside down and just like being part of the convo. And I was like, oh, that's cool that she like saw the source material and was like. Appears to give a shit. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was rad about it. I know we, Dakota Johnson's kind of gotten, whether you call it positive or negative feedback, I think people kind of liked that she was like, I had no fucking clue what the movie we were making was. And I was in front of a green screen just, like, reacting to stuff. Like, yeah. and who knows what will come out the other side. Like, she gave a quote that was almost essentially that. And and whether she was saying it as, like, poking fun at herself or in good spirits or not, like, I'm not sure. And I, I can't speculate. But um, people have taken that as the movie's going to be really bad and Dakota Johnson's not invested in it and yada yada. I, I don't expect this movie to do well at all, and I expect that maybe they rethink El Muerto and a couple of the other things they have coming out. Um, they kind of they I think they really didn't capitalize on an amazing opportunity to do just like wild wild shit with Spider Man universe stuff while the MCU was in its prime. They just like absolutely squandered that opportunity. What and yeah. now like who knows? Like obviously I think any of these movies are going to make like a hundred million dollars, but they're, they're considered like a failure if they make a hundred million dollars. And I mean, they cost like $50 million to make anymore. Yeah. Maybe more. Well, the, the, the problem is that you can't make money in that at, like after the movie run anymore. Yeah. So like that was the initial problem with movies mm-hmm. is that you had to make all your money in the theater. Right. And then VHS came along and yep. oh, you, solved. you could make like the fly is the best example. Mm-hmm. You could take a gamble on a movie that wouldn't traditionally do well in theaters, but it would make all its money on the back end. All us weirdos fall in love with it later. Exactly. <laughs> a- Andy buys the criterion version of all these dumbass yeah. movies. Oh my God. I was convinced when Blu-ray came out that, this was just another way to get us to buy another copy of the same shit. Given now, yeah. if you put on a DVD uh-huh. next and watch it next to a Blu-ray, you're like, the DVD's unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so bad the compared to how the they worst. look now. And now there's, yeah, the audio's really bad. Yeah. Um, and... Now there's like the 4K. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I stopped. I used to buy so many movies. Yeah, I th- everyone did. I think it was just like a thing to have a movie collection, and it kind of said something about you when people would come over and see what you had on your in your cabinet of like movies that were your favorites. I'm still that guy. <laughs> you still buy movies? Oh yeah. For Christmas this year, mm-hmm. my mom got me a box set. Uh, my parents, my parents, my parents are still together. Yeah. My mom's the one that did the Christmas shopping. Yes. But uh, she- I think it's safe to say, like, yeah, you're always like, thanks, mom. And oh, I mean, oh, you too, dad. Yeah, dad. But, yeah, he's mom, the one that, I know you bought this. He's yeah. the one that made the money and mom <laughs> spent it to get the thing. And dad gets none of the credit. Uh, but she bought me a. Dad bu- doesn't know me because he's working all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she bought me a Criterion these, these box are, set. These are our. Uh, stereotypical gender role upbringings from the 1980s. Well, no longer reflective of society today. I just want to be clear. I mean, but it's all true. Like <laughs> my dad was constantly for, for, our, generation, for our generation. I, yeah. I think it's very common. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, I got a box set of 26 samurai movies. Oh my gosh. Wow. They're all in the same. It's Zotoichi, this, the blind samurai. Okay. Wow. 26 movies. Made in eleven years. Oh no! <laughs> in Japan, <laughs> wild. Uh huh. And I'm stoked about it. You're gonna watch them? Of course. Are, I'm two movies in. How do you How do you do this when you've got twenty six samurai movies uh-huh. of uh, varying quality? Uh-huh. Um, do you put them on as like fun background things while you're like working late at night, or or are you like? Fully committed and reading all the subtitles and everything. I'll tell you what I do. Okay. 
So the Criterion version always comes with essays, and we're way off comic books now. But these are are was the twenty six disc set a Criterion uh-huh. thing? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, this whole thing, right? It all it comes with like a book of essays always. Yeah. So there's a little paragraph about each movie. Uh-huh. So I read the paragraph, and if it sounds kind of interesting, or if the writers like this one's particularly good, yeah, I'll watch it. Okay. Otherwise. It's one of 26. Yeah, right. right. Maybe you'll throw it on in the background sometime. Yeah, exactly. The other ones you're sitting down to watch. Okay, yeah. got it. I respect that. I I, I own a lot of samurai movies. I will say there are, I do like every once in a while the movies that I do own, like throwing on an alien movie yeah. in, the, in the background while I'm like organizing my comics or something and having one of those running. It is nice... As as I get older, the more you I'm realizing that everything is kind of a fad mm-hmm. and that sometimes even like even though streaming dominates entertainment, it's like you used to be able to stream most of the big movies you wanted to see. And now they're like, well, we're changing the licensing for that. Yep. And this movie's disappearing for a while. No more. And that'll disappear for a while until the next movie comes out and we want to build hype around it. And we'll sell a bunch of DVDs because people haven't, or sorry, whatever the format is called now, high def movies, that um, because you haven't been able to buy it in a long time. There have been times like that where I'm like, damn, I wish I had purchased Blade Runner because you can't like stream it anywhere now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe there's something to it. Buy physical media because as... I guess you're supporting the stuff too. Well, yes. Support the things that you love with your money. And as time is beginning to show, the things that you like, no matter how popular, will not be on streaming platforms forever. Yeah. Stranger Things will one day be taken off of Netflix. Mm -hmm. Its licensing will change hands. It might be on a different streaming platform. It might just go away. Correct. We don't know. I cannot believe we have not talked about this yet. Rob Liefeld Ooh. has retired from Deadpool. Oh, the tragedy. <laughs> the immense drama of the situation, Mike. He's, I can't think of a more polarizing comic book artist. Other than the obvious, I would agree. I'm trying to think of three letters, one asshole. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's <laughs> let's say people we know who like aren't full blown racist. Oh, okay, sure. He's pol- I'll say he's polarizing in that he's got a particular style. He's yeah. got a particular vibe and attitude to his work. It is he was. I think he was an era defining artist and you have to at a minimum give him that that uh you're reading new mutants and then when rob liefeld starts drawing those comics you are now in like from issue whatever it was 84 to 85 you are now in modern comics in the course of like one issue. It just like it just like changed completely the vibe and there was this tonal shift. Pouches, and, straps, muscles, yeah, sweat. And he is like such one of like so iconic and such a figure and a face of that. Um I I think whether you hate or love that style, you have to you have to give Rob Liefeld that. I think a lot of people give him credit. But it's tough to give him credit when he's such an asshole. <laughs> so I don't know so much about him. I, I know I say this all the time, but I just maybe I haven't seen enough or heard enough of the stories. But um, every time he comments something on social media, yeah, he's shitting on someone. That's the thing. I'm also not on Twitter. And yeah. I think he's got a big personality on Twitter. Yeah, and Instagram. And Instagram. Okay. Every time he's on there, he's commenting about like how he's better than the other artist that someone has commented about yeah or how he is the best at whatever he's currently doing i know he got some flack a while back for um 
claiming that other artists were ripping him off all the time. Yeah, and then he's he famously worked on that Blood Strike book where yeah. like every character was like a direct there's like one that well, there's one character that is 100% Wolverine. Fucking Deadpool <laughs> is Deathstroke. Yeah. <laughs> and he he like whatever. Yes, so the personality is yeah, a thing. His is. art is a thing. But the news is that he is no longer going to be drawing his biggest creation. Biggest creation, easy. Deadpool. 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 Along, this is this news is coinciding with a the announcement of a comic book that's coming out this summer. That's his last hurrah. Yeah. With Deadpool, um, that's also going to align closely with the release. Of the movie Deadpool 3, I'm assuming. Yes. I don't know the release date on that off the top of my head, but I would just guess it's probably going to be around the same time. So, uh, big thing. He's got a big moment coming up. And it, uh, to me, it struck me as odd to be like, I'm never going to do this again. But he is almost 60. Um, he did allude to the fact that he wants to go out while he's able to do fulfill fulfill what he feels like is good work still actually can i read the quote directly because you and i had a conversation about it that i think is kind of interesting that i have not seen anyone else oh okay have interesting um because it was pretty clear to me yeah okay so here's here's the quote that kind of wrapped this up um i want to go out with the best effort i can muster the hand-eye coordination won't be there forever I'll elaborate more on this on my next Rob Observations podcast and look forward to taking this journey with you. You and I both read that and thought, oh, he's been diagnosed with something like Parkinson's. Yeah, and I, I read it as, I didn't think he was like, oh, I got news. Yeah. I read it as like, oh, I'm getting to the age where my dad had this thing happen to him. or something. Okay. Like, yeah. like he's anticipating something. Or he is looking, you know, instead of 10 or 15 years in the future, he's looking five years in the future. Yeah. Right? So it's not an imminent diagnosis. It's not a, I, you know, I had this thing, I'm taking medicine for it, I'm handling it. It's a, I'm on the lookout for this in my personal life. The hand-eye coordination won't be there forever. I'll elaborate more on this later. Um, Look forward to taking this journey with you. Those statements in particular just sound like there is maybe more to be said regarding that. Yeah. This is so, a, a next phase of my life. Yeah. It's it's either just, yeah, I'm getting older and moving on, or there's something more going on. I don't know. Uh, in any case, at least I wish you the best, Rob. Yeah. I hope everything's okay. I hope stuff's good with your health. I hope you're retiring from Deadpool in a place where you're happy with that and what you are able to do and it's not something that's being like otherwise forced on you. Like um you wrote and drew a lot of comics during a time where comics were very important to me. Yeah. And he'll forever be uh, a huge figure for me in in comic books so yeah of course I, people who are who have big personalities and are perceived as jerks yeah. deserve to be happy and healthy just like the rest of us <laughs> they do i and i mean that without any hint of sarcasm yeah rob liefeld deserves all the credit and money that i'm sure he has yeah and gets right for sure <laughs> as does every creator yeah I have heard – I did hear a story from someone once that was like I wrote a Deadpool story and then I ran into Rob Liefeld and I thought it would be an interesting thing to tell him. Like, hey, I, you know, I, I did something with your famous character and he was like, I wrote uh, such and such issue and had a, a lot of fun doing it. And Rob just said, thanks for the money. And it was like, oh. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> kind of a drag it's yep. one of those like don't meet your heroes sort of things yep but um i don't know 
he still deserves to live out the rest of his days with a smile on his face. That's right. Great. Uh, what well, else you got? I've got more, but I think we're almost at like 40 minutes with just those few things. Okay. Okay. Can I, let me just rip through these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so people know we're aware of these things. And if you have any quick takes, you can, yeah. you can have them. Um, Black Panther has 12,000 copies missing. Oh, yeah. There's 12,000 copies of the <laughs> Ultimate Black Panther comic that are missing. Yep. The, the conspiracy theory is that these are the missing copies are to inflate the pre-sale numbers of this book. Right. Oh, like, is that right? Like, oh, they're missing issues. I big think air there's quotes. no way. No, of course not. No. One of the things is the hype from Ultimate Spider-Man number one, yeah. which is now a $60 raw comic book, so dumb. has hyped up all of these Ultimate first issues so much already that if there's another 12,000 copies to sell, Marvel would be wanting to sell those copies, which would have ultimately sold out anyway. Yeah. In my opinion, at least. Yeah. Um, but it's just a wild thing for Penguin to lose track of, like... A lot of comics. That many comics. Yeah. When you think about how many comics you can fit into a box, it's not like a lot of physical space. So it's like one truck just never made it to the States or, you know, yeah. got in a wreck and maybe it shows up at some point in like a recovered salvage thing, but just kind of an interesting, quirky But story. every issue of Deadpool Batter Blood made it to the stands. Thank God. Uh, oh, I just saw an interesting fact that one in four books sold in France are comics. That is an interesting fact. It's it's credited to the amount of indie bookstores, a yeah. lot of nonfiction comics, uh -huh. which, you know, we don't normally do that much of in the U.S. Yeah. And not that we don't do it, but just not a ton of it. And then um, there was also a measure implemented recently called a culture pass. And you can think of this as like a debit card for okay. young adults who were allotted 300 euros each, which is about $365 Whoa. translated, to spend on things like museum trips, instruments, and comic books. So any art that, like, cultures you, basically. Yeah. It was like a thing to just, like, it was a stipend to culture the youth of France. Sick. And so, Viva la France. And so that really heightened the sale of just an interest in comic books. So comics are having a huge resurgence in France right now, which is really cool. Dope. Um, Elon Musk is funding Gina Carano's oh, lawsuit God. against Disney. <laughs> I thought this was like... I can't... We could do a whole episode, oh, I think, my God. on this. But I can't even... If you need a synopsis of like what that's what that is... Um, and, and you can look into it yourself if you want more details on this story, but it's just an interesting one to follow, I think, just cause these are two shitheads who found each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Gina Carano is that person from the actress from Mandalorian yeah. and she got in some hot water after like a string of texts, um, yeah. where she did things like mock mask mandates, um, mocked transgender identities. And as if that wasn't enough, compared the persecution of American Republicans to what Jews suffered during the Holocaust. Uh -huh. and cool at, and normal stuff. And that was the point that Disney was like, peace, we're separating ties with you. Yeah. And she wasn't brought on to be in the next season of The Mandalorian, which she had previously been expected to be a recurring cast member of that show. And then they killed her off in season three off screen. <laughs> <laughs> So she is suing Disney because of her rights to free speech. And Elon Musk has committed to um, as as part of the mission statement of X and not banning people like they used to ban people and having way looser policies on like what can be spread online and on social media. Um, he's kind of like devoted to back up people. Um, who are having issues with free speech. So, boo. You know, yeah, you've got these people who are champions of free speech, and a lot of times for, you know, other people that translates to uh, their right to hatred and just being able to like diminish people as much as you'd like. Like what? the same, it was the same thing with the Chick fil A thing that like Chick fil A was like, we're not going to hire gay people. And then, <laughs> yep. And then 
all these people came out in support of free speech. And it's like, you're not here to support free speech, really. Yeah. You're not really here to support free speech, are you? You're here to you're here to support discrimination yeah. ag- against queer people. Yeah. Like that's that's what it boils down to. And I feel like that's a lot of what um this is here. Yeah. Because if Elon Musk was truly the free speech absolutist that he says he is, he would say, oh, well, it's Disney's, it's a form of speech to have the people and celebrities in your shows that you choose to have. Just as you have these free speech people who say, it's my right as a restaurant owner to not serve the people I don't want to serve. That's another way to like back discrimination right is say say that these people can do whatever they want with their businesses it's their right to freedom but when it goes the other way with people you agree with who have been let go because of hate speech yeah all of a sudden you're having issues with that right it's a two-way street in all these things you got to walk both ways that's right i i respect you more if you have a stance on these things and don't waffle (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for real. I'll still not like you if you're a bigot, but I, I'll at least have respect for you. Yeah, for, 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 for you sticking to your guns in some sense. I'll respect your bigotry <laughs> in its pure acidic form. Jesus, can we talk about comic books now? Let's do it. You Let's had get to, into the you issues. had to end with Elon <laughs> and Gina. All right. Um, I read a couple of books. I think some of these are from last week. But we'll fire through them pretty quick. Yeah. I know we're kind of short on time. Um, first up, we got the Batman and Robin Annual. It's by Joshua Williamson and uh, Porter, the same guys who are doing the Batman and Robin book. Yeah. Uh, this was a fun one-off story. Um, Batman and Robin, uh, Bruce and Damien are taking a road trip. And they go out and get stuck in DC's version of Arcade. Oh, roulette cool. yeah traps them in this thing and it's like the most dangerous game where these group of like mercenary guys pay 10 million dollars a piece to like hunt a person yeah and then the first person to kill him gets all the money uh but unfortunately for them this time they trapped batman and robin yeah who have to shut it down yeah so this has a lot of echoes of obviously the game with michael douglas this has a lot of echoes of that Spider-Man Hunted yeah. series. Yep. Obviously, this is just an annual, but um, a lot of fun. Very good stuff. So are Batman and Robin like kidnapped into this thing without them knowing it's Batman and Robin? Like they're yeah. just like, we got a guy and his son. Yes. So they <laughs> they sh- well they show up. They drive in Batman yeah. and Robin. They drive in with the intent of camping. Yeah. So they don't show up. No Batman. No Robin stuff. Yeah. And then they try and leave because they find a dead body and there's a force field. Got and then it. and then it cuts to That's fun. These cuts... guys just don't know that they're fucking with like two of the deadliest people on the yeah. planet. And Batman and Robin <laughs> didn't know that they were going to like end up in this thing. Yeah, that's fun. Um and it's it is also cool because there's the added twist where they don't Batman and Robin don't want the guys to know that they're Batman and Robin. Yeah, so right. They, they take them all out with like traps and stuff. Yeah. while they're just sitting around a campfire. Oh, that's cool. It's a great. It's a great. Yeah, book. you can't go full superhero mode. You yeah, protect your identity. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it gave you. It gave us a lot of good moments, like father and son moments between. Yeah. Damien and Bruce. Oh, it sounds great. It's it's some of the best. I mean, this Batman and Robin series is super fun. I love Damien. Yep. He's probably my favorite DC character. Mm-hmm. Um, so tip, if you happen to be a new comic book reader, annuals yeah. are a great thing to pick up. They're the ones that like really aren't numbered. They're just like standalone comics that you don't need to know much of the history to like enjoy a fun Batman story. Yeah. Typically more pages. Yeah. That's I think right. They're a little like, longer, more bang for your buck. Maybe, maybe a 42 page or something for six bucks. Totally it. worth it. Do it. Totally worth it. Right on. Um, I also read more Batman, uh, Batman 142. It's kind of a new jumping on point. Correct. Um, This is a big milestone issue because the story arc is Joker year one. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to it's tying together uh, zero year Mm -hmm. from Scott Snyder's run. Okay. With uh, Alan Moore's 
uh, Killing Joke. Killing Joke and current Batman continuity. Okay. Taking cool. all that stuff, tying it together, and giving kind of a definitive Joker yeah. background origin. How does he handle Bruce? Yeah. Uh, when at- you see the Joker Red Hood stuff, which is the cover of this. Yeah. That you normally know that there's some sort of affiliation with the Killing Joke. Correctly, um, and the the cool twist that Zdarsky is putting in here is there's a direct tie to Batman's past with this Joker past story. Okay, cool. Right at the end. Oh, okay. Um, Fun reveal. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything because it, it will be a cool thing. Yep. And this it's is an only, ongoing. It's well, it's an only a three issue arc. Oh, okay, so cool. Spoiling something is probably going to be spoiling something major and yeah. quick. So uh read that. All right. So that's the big big two stuff. Well, I read Mace Windu from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um it's a cool cover. I'm a big Samuel L. Jackson fan, big Star Wars fan. This takes place um before the Clone Wars when Mace Windu is still a Jedi Master, but yep. he's like still doing missions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um just kind of a fun spin off thing. Not a lot to say story-wise he's got to go rescue somebody yeah. and whatever help the jedi good action great I, action here's and here's the thing i really appreciate about the star wars comics is that a lot of the cast that are supposed to be badass in star wars movies you never get to see them like in action going fucking crazy right yes. Because they're at this point, they've become elder statesmen and things like that, and they're so respected because of their control of the force. Well, it's like we never got to see Mace Windu just go absolutely ham on people. (laughs) And now we do. And now you do in the comic books, which is absolutely great. That's exactly. I think the same thing is like the prequels gave us a certain amount of like. How was Obi Wan in his prime? Yeah, but like you didn't get to see too much of it. So in those Obi Wan comics now, it's cool to see him like really mix it up. Yep, love that about these. That that is the perfect sales pitch for this yeah. for this book. Um, and I mean Mace Windu's a super badass, totally. so, right? So, uh, the one that I want to spend a little bit of time on is the One Hand. Yeah, this is the new uh, Ram V book. Um, it's a Detective crime noir serial killer, lots of echoes of seven, um, you know, cyberpunk. It takes place in like the 2850s or something. Yeah. So there's like robots and, um, but it's still got that gritty, it's raining all the time kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, and our hero detective has. Not not has to solve the crime. He has already solved the crime. Yeah. In fact, he has solved it twice. He he caught the killer, and then there was a you know the the same killing started again, and he caught that guy. Yeah. And now you know five years later or whatever, it's happening again. Of course, on the day he's retiring. Yeah. Um. So you know it, it gets to be one of those things where his reputation was great because he caught the guy, and then it tanked because. The crime, same crime started happening again. Mm. And now, you know, is this the same guy? Is this another copycat? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, The interesting wrinkle in this book, you get to the last page and there's, I don't know, an announcement, but there's a preview for a book called The Six Fingers. Yeah. It's like a a companion book. Yeah. So... it appears based on the preview that the six fingers is going to follow the serial killer. That's cool. So you're going to get basically two halves of the story, presumably meeting up on issue six of each story. Yeah. Which is super cool. It's really cool. Each book is kind of like the one hand or sorry. What's this one called? The one hand. The one hand is like red themed. Yeah. And then the six fingers is yellow themed. Yep. And each of their co- I've already pre-ordered these for like the next three, four months. Smart move. And they kind of keep that same motif. I love Ron V. So anytime he does anything, especially like a cool new independent, yeah. I'm picking it up. Um Yeah, and it's they have two creative teams, which is I what I that. thought was yeah, cool. Yeah. Um so it's a cool idea to take these two halves of the story yep. and give each half its own. And you wonder how much team. they were subscript uh, scripting it together, or how much they were like, "Let's meet in the middle." 
Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'm I'll sure there was meeting of the minds for yeah, sure. But I'll, I'll be interested to hear about their collaboration once this is all said and done. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, to, I, I can't say that this is a six issue. You know, your cost of entry is mm-hmm. relatively low because it's kind of a 12 issue. <laughs> yeah. If you want to read the whole story. But. You know, based on the creative teams alone, I'm sure you could read the one hand yeah. by itself and get a thoroughly enjoyable story. The right. first issue was great. Yeah. So. I've I've only got one comic to talk about. If you listen to our Patreon, you know I have a shipment of comic books that got lost in transit. M-I-A. And I'm very upset about it. In any case, on to better things. I read You and I. Which is out on AWA, mm-hmm. Artists, Writers, and Artisans, I believe, is what that stands for. I thought it stood for Andy. What about Andy? <laughs> A question you're asking everybody. <laughs> Did you consider me in this decision? Uh, which I think is a publisher started by J. Michael Straczynski. For sure. Does that sound right? Yeah. So he, he writes all and, of his comics and on... And Axel Alonso. Oh, is that right? A- that's right. Axel is like the driving force. Yes, yeah. that's right. Um, almost, I think, everything, if not everything, J. Michael Straczynski does is on AWA now. Yep. And so he does a lot of cool just like mini series that are like easy to commit to because they're like five, six issues. I think this one's a five-parter. Um, Mike Choi does the art on it. Cool. Who, I, yeah, he's he can be an acquired taste but I'll say the way the art is done in this is, like, phenomenal. Cool. I love it. Um, so, quick sales pitch on this book. A plague hits Earth, and those who it doesn't kill are left with superpowers, right? That's dope. Yeah, kind of a cool concept. Um, so, it starts with, like, one of those people waking up and, like, realizing they can, like, heal themselves, like, immediately. Sure. And then we're kind of led to believe that there's some, like, otherworldly force that's like speaking to him or communicating to him on like some sort of like mission uh-huh. that the rest of the world might not be privy to okay. very vague open-ended stuff that just like le- leaves your mind reeling doesn't give you many answers that's me kind of putting my own spin on what i think is happening okay um we're following someone who got like so intensely superpowered like super strength can punch the jaw off of somebody. This comic is like hyper violent. If you're into That's like AWA, really cartoony violence. Yeah. Um. And then there's another person who didn't get powers at all, or maybe hasn't figured out what their powers are yet. Sure. Right. They just haven't manifested. And there's this kind of there's a lot of bureaucracy in the country surrounding these people where they have to officially report. If they've had the disease and survive, what their powers are, so they're on the books. Sure. She can't report her power because she doesn't have one, so she's being locked out of, like, being able to get a job or pass through security anywhere. Uh-huh. Um, but she's, like, you know, we're led to believe totally innocent and really doesn't know. And so we've got those two contrasting people, and then they happen to collide at the end, where uh-huh. one meets the other, and then that's where the first book ends. So... It's kind of like a cool superhero origin story, superhero universe thing, but told on like a really short, remote, personal level in a in a in a bite size length of issues. So if that sounds like your speed, I say check it out. I really like the first issue. I have I, I won't say AWA has only been bangers, but like everything I've read on them has been good. Yes. Like the, they put out really good material. I'll I'll give it that too. I have not read an AWA stinker. Yeah. They haven't all been like I can't like give you five AWA titles that like rocked my socks off either. Yeah. But it's great creators bringing their independent original stories to a publisher where they can do it in, like, one trade paperback length. Yep. It's good stuff. Yep. Um, you talked about Red Light, right, two weeks ago? That was oh, Red Light book. was so good. Yeah. I'm on the second or maybe third issue now. Yeah. 
great. Con- I can't recommend that enough. Yeah. Really cool. If I guess trigger warning for some sexual violence and it's like kind of an erotic thriller sort of book, but yeah. uh, if you can handle that, it's a really cool uh, sci-fi story. Um, Not All Robots. That was also AWA. Great, Great Mark book. Russell book. Um, Sins of the Salton Sea was Ed Brisson's supernatural uh, crime story. I don't think I read that one. That was really good. Um, was Fight Girls an AWA comic? I think that so. That was Frank Cho's, uh-huh. uh, like, 10 women compete in a reality TV show. The like boxing thing, right? Or the last last yeah. person to survive sort of competition. Very, what's that Jennifer Lawrence movie? Uh, the Hunger Mo- Games? Hunger, it's very Hunger Games. Yeah. And the the... Last woman standing becomes the queen yeah. of like this new future society. Yeah. Anyway, AWA puts out a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, you almost can't. I won't say you. They're they'll like we said. They won't always all be Watchmen. Yeah. But, but they'll be good. You'll get good content. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. I think we did it. I think yeah. we did another episode. Thanks for joining us for another one. Like normal, we'll be back next week. Um, hit us up on our Discord if you want to join the conversation with some like-minded people. Uh, you're going to find the details in our socials when you hear the outro. I think that's it. Bye. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Lichtig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club and check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club.